Welcome, podcast audience. We're glad you joined in with us today. Hello. How's everybody doing? Hey, everybody. We're glad you're here. Yes, sir. Well, uh, we have got a short list, but I bet you we will fill all the time. <laughs> I'm sure. Today. I'm sure we I'm sure. I have a short list of things. So. Hey, you know what we didn't mention last week that we yeah. need to keep mentioning is subscribe. Yes. We do. We, we do. do. Yes. We're, we're getting real close. We are, but it's inching. We were going in yeah, a little bit of it slowed down. It slowed down, so. but we're so close. I just wanted to finish out. For those of you who are new to this conversation, we're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers because YouTube is promising big things for us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we don't even know if they're worth it. We don't know that, but we're excited. So if It's you sort of like when I was a kid, and it, was Mattel still making things? Or does Mattel still make toys? Yeah. Okay, Mattel used How to be like they were the ultimate <laughs> promiser of things that mm-hmm. you would get them in to go, huh. Yeah, it didn't, didn't work so well. <laughs> so, so a good. thousand podcast subscribers may be like Maybe, the yeah, new Mattel yeah. so, to me, if you're but on, I want it. If I really... you're on YouTube and you haven't subscribed, <laughs> we're asking you, please, go yes. ahead and subscribe. We don't and, know if it's uh, worth it or not. We'll button. let you know. We will. We hope it's a benefit oh, you. Oh, you know we'll let them know. <laughs> We've been talking about this <laughs> yeah. for weeks. So go ahead and do that. And uh, if you have a question you want us to address, uh, we often get into questions around here. Uh, I want to remind everybody there's a link in the description on YouTube and on the podcast app that you're listening to this on click it just click that link and send us a question you can send it anonymously through that link or if you're real brave and you want us to know who you are you can just go to the comments and there put, a, put, a, put one on the comments and just you know be who you are and uh we'll be you you be you you be you then we'll address you by name maybe if or by you. your uh or your youtube handles you or know whatever. like soggy nachos or there you go wonder if soggy nachos is listening <laughs> that's someone who shows up in our service every week soggy nachos. all right uh, let's start with this. Um, it's a real pertinent, uh, topic. Mm. We are getting lots of questions and people want to know. It's like the number one thing people want to talk to me about these days is like, when we coming back to in-person services, you know, well, now that the restrictions are starting to, things are starting to open up, you know, with the virus and we're, we're trying new things. How about church? When's church going to open up? So, uh, I thought it'd be good for us to sort of update people where we are on that, what the future looks like. Uh, as far as we know. (laughs) So let's talk about where we are and what that looks like coming up. for. We're going to wait on Major League Baseball. No. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Once once we have a Major League Baseball game, I'm going to feel okay, which may mean it's not coming back then. All right, we're going to float out a lot of possibilities, and we're going to hold services in Arizona, all in Arizona. (laughs) Y'all come on. No, we, we are getting closer and closer with all serious. Yes. Uh, sometime early in June, we will have uh, services. And uh, as some of you know, if you're actually, we know who you are and we have a way to contact you. You've been getting email and text from us to, uh, hey, go in and let us test out this ticketing thing that we've been mm-hmm. doing. You guys know the ticketing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We actually, my family actually got our tickets last time. There we go. Our fake tickets. Fake tickets. Our I fake think tickets Nathan did it one time and then he's like, yeah. I'm not doing I'm that not, again. I'm not planning on being there. Which is, which is a problem, Nathan. <laughs> it is a problem. problem. That is a problem. You are a problem. I, I'm a problem. I brought that up so that we could publicly do something that I don't think is valuable. Shame Nathan. Just shame, <laughs> shame me. Just shame me for not doing it. I didn't do he it. He did it once help. and thought that was good enough, but you know, the deal with the ticketing is like going to a Major League Baseball game. Yes. You have to have a ticket to every game. Every time. You have to have a ticket every, every time. time. And I know that's different than when we used to just say, hey, 9, 10, 30, noon. We had five services at two different campuses. Uh, you're going to have to let us know when you're coming because the social distancing stuff. And it's going to mm-hmm. have to happen every week. And I know that's a little bit of a pain. But the benefit is we're going to get to be back together. Yeah. Yes. And that we can uphold uh, the things that we think are uh, important that the government has asked us to do and yep. we really want to yeah. do that not because you know i know some of us have all kinds of political kind of thoughts and on everything that's going on but there's nothing that the government's asking us to do that is violating anything that god asked us to do right. right so as a part of followers of christ we have a responsibility when those two match up that we do what we're asked to do and we serve our community as well as we can so we're going to try to do that so yeah. uh, uh, we were just talking that things are going to be different. I mean, uh, don't don't yeah. come expecting it to just be just like it was before. It's going to be different. Yeah. 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 All, all of us miss it. And uh, Nathan used a phrase in our staff meeting. We were talking about this the other day. It's of uh, the it's a it, we've been saying new normal, but more of this uh, 
I know everybody wants to come back for normalcy, mm. but this is a different kind of normalcy. I don't yeah, know. yeah. I think there's I think there's a feeling, and I felt it a lot in the in in conversations with people. You know, I think when this all started, uh, everyone was kind of willing to embrace a lot of the the newness of this. And I think the longer it's gone on, I hear lots of people talking about how they want to get back to normal, and what they mean by normal was. February of this year. Yeah. What, what, happened, what it was before any of this happened. I don't want to get back to normal before the internet. Right. No. Not, not like the like historic normal. I want to roll that up a little bit. That's right. 1988. We, that's right. Just going back a little bit. I don't know. Some people would like it to be 1988 again. So I don't. But there you go. No. But uh, yeah, I think. I think we are going to – we want – I think maybe a better way to say it is that we, we're going to try and get some routine back to our lives of – the routine that most of us had of we come to church on Sundays and we, we worship mm-hmm. together. But it won't be what it was in February, and it may, it may never necessarily be what we had in February. But the good thing about that is we believe God always does new things, and yeah. God, God is you know the God who says over and over again, look, I'm doing a new thing, right? I'm, I'm, I'm bringing new things into this, and God can work in all circumstances. And so there will be a new normal to all of this, but uh, I think the more that we can get in our heads, it's not going to be, like you said, the exact sure. normal we have in our head. But there's nothing to say that what happened in February of this year was the best normal possible. And I don't think any of us would say my life in February was the best it could ever be. Yeah. I know some people that were complaining in February. Yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. <laughs> I so, can show you emails I got about services we did in February. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Complaints involved in them. Yeah. So I know they weren't totally satisfied. <laughs> so a lot of the things we're going to, we're going to be doing, like you said, uh, you know, kind of in accordance with what the government's asking us to do and that kind of stuff. It won't, you may show up and you go, well, this isn't, exactly what i thought it'd be and you would be right it's not going to be exactly what you thought i can guarantee you whatever you think it's going to be it's not going to be exactly what you think it's going to be and and let's be clear it's not everything we missed the way it was sure that's right we had a part in creating what had been we liked most of what used to be (laughs) and in some ways we were really comfortable with it and we miss it too but Hey, we're embracing that God is at work and doing new things and that, as you taught just a few weeks ago in this series, God's at work even in bad things or things that we feel that are bad to bring about good in us, the good that is in us. And this can be another part of that, too. And we're going to have to embrace some things that are that honestly are just uncomfortable that that I don't necessarily want to do. I'm doing that in my personal life. You know, I I just I was just telling you guys the other day, I, I. I don't like wearing a mask, you know, (laughs) and it it bothers me. But you know what? I got to a place where I said, you know, for the sake of people who are at risk and for just for the sake of some people who are fearful, um, I'll do that. And and we talked about this the other day and we just recently talked about this, that that has some biblical precedent to it. Yeah. You know, this is taught in Scripture. There's a uh, there's a portion of uh, the book of First Corinthians where Paul He's speaking about a different issue, of course, but it's an issue where there's some folks who they have a, 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 a problem with their conscience about eating certain things, and they think it's wrong to eat certain things. And Paul says, you know, I, I know that it's not wrong, and I don't have a problem with my conscience, but if I'm entering the home of someone who feels like this is wrong to do, I'm going to do it for them because I don't want to offend their conscience. And and he, he takes this issue that's not not a right or wrong issue which i i'll just go back to me wearing a mask that that's not a right or wrong kind of thing but if it if it's something that someone feels strongly about and it's not harming me uh, and it's not wrong for me to do i want to do that for the sake of love for that person yeah it's taken me a while to get to that i'm i'm old and uh, i have had a mask in my truck for some time and i have thought i should wear it for some time Mm -hmm. And I can't, I, I shouldn't say I can't remember it. I don't remember it. And it hasn't become enough of an issue for me that when I get out and I don't have it on, I make myself go back and get it. Yeah. But just as of this week, I have decided, okay, that's what I'm going to do to get this in my head. When I get out of the truck and I don't have it on, I make myself go back. Mm-hmm. Because just like Paul knew it wasn't wrong not to eat the meat or to eat the meat, yeah. there were people that thought, it's wrong. It really is. Right? Yeah, and yeah. it's wrong. And there are people I know and care about that think it's wrong mm-hmm. not to wear a, mask. to wear a mask. 
and since I know it's not, or I, I personally don't feel as strongly about that, I'm going to wear it for the sake of them because I do love them. Yes. Right. I, and I, why would I intentionally do something just because I have the right to do it mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I don't have to do it everywhere. I don't wear a mask around my house. I, you know, those mm-hmm. kind of things, but that's something that I think we, many Christians, and I've done this myself, get wrong is when I have what I believe is the right stance on an issue, just because I think I have the right stance doesn't give me the right to shame those who I don't think do. You sure. Know, it, it doesn't on, mean I on don't. On both sides of On both issue. sides of yeah. that. You know, shaming someone for their convictions on an issue like that or any issue. No, really Shaming really. someone is not helpful, nor is it loving. No. Yeah, even on an issue where they are definitively wrong, shaming them is not moving them to where you want them to go. Yes. Mm-hmm. Reasoning with them might be oh, yeah. on something that's sure. definitively wrong, mm-hmm. but shaming is not a, a positive attribute. Yeah. yeah. The goal in the in, in the end with everything is to honor people and you know, honor is something I think we miss also because I don't I don't know. I don't know what everyone thinks about honor. I have conversations with people about honor and I think it gets mixed up. You know, honor is really about ascribing value to somebody. So it's about saying I, I consider you as somebody who's valuable and important. Mm. And we do this kind of thing with people we honor, right? Like all of us have had the experience of well, I shouldn't say all of us have. I know people who don't, but I think most of us have had the experience you go over to someone's house, you know, a family member for dinner and you know certain things that you do in your life, they don't necessarily think it's wrong. They, they're just a little like, I don't know why they do that. And you don't talk about it in front of them. You don't yeah. bring it up. You don't rub it in their face that you do stuff. You know, you don't go to your parents' house and you know there are things that they're not mad at you that you do it, but they don't agree with every choice you've mm-hmm. made. You don't keep going, remember I do this. Yeah, remember I do this and try and, and rub it. And on vice versa, if I'm the parent who knows you do this thing, and I don't really think it's like wrong, but I wish you wouldn't do it. Loving parents know in that situation, it's not the most loving thing for me to keep rubbing in my disappointment mm. in my child's face. And the honoring thing in that situation to do is say, you know, you're someone who's valuable to me. And honor and shame are really on the opposite ends of that spectrum. Yes. That shame is I want you to I want you to feel like until you do what you are to do, you are less of a person. And honor is no matter what you do, I want you to know you're valuable to me and to God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that's the stance we have to take. And it doesn't mean that we don't ever, like you said, have conversations if I really think this is an issue. But there are ways we all know to have those conversations. That yeah. if I think someone's really doing damage to themselves or others, uh, publicly shaming them, you know, trying to belittle them is never going to get the get yep. the result I want. So in in the context of you know what we were talking about with the reopening. We're going to take measures that I know some people, because we have people, you know, we don't make political kind of things at Community Christmas. It's never, we never no. have done that. We, everybody, because we are Americans, we all have political beliefs. Sure. But we just believe there's a higher thing of Jesus. Mm. And I already mm-hmm. said the thing about the government. We're going to try to be as honoring to what the government has asked us to do as we can that doesn't violate whatever, uh, you know, God has already asked us to do. And we think we can do that uh, in good ways. And so I just want everybody to be prepared. So you're going to have to get a ticket every week so we can do Mm -hmm. that. Um, Hopefully in June, we're hoping that things are going to be a little more relaxed, whatever that looks like. And uh, we can get back to a little more normalcy, whatever that normal, that new normal looks like. And uh, we can do that. I just want all of us to Remember, as a church, our thing always has been, and we've been so good at this as a church of accepting mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Our deal is to love everyone always, and a part of this is I do have to stoop to honor other people with things that I wouldn't normally do myself. I don't make fun of it. Mm-hmm. I just I do what I think should do for the sake of all of us together so that we can continue to love and honor everybody. And uh, for those of you who are wondering, and I continue to try to say this because this is the other part of that I get asked, we are going to continue to be online. So we aren't going to shut that down and force people to come. So people are like, you're opening up, you're forcing people. Hey, Mm -mm. we really believe if I would really, if it's a benefit to us, if you are in any way sick or you think you might be sick or you might, you wondered if you might be sick, (laughs) we, you know, you could do. You could do harm to a whole bunch of us. You come and then we find out you are sick. Yeah. Uh, Or if you are vulnerable, we don't want to expose you Mm -mm. to anything. We want to love and protect you. 
but it's not my job to shut anybody down either. That's right. So right. the tickets are available. We're going to continue to do online. We're going to try to serve both and try to continue to be a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and we together love everybody all the time, including in this way. Yep. So that'll be rolling out. Yeah. Just remember, got to get a ticket every single week. <laughs> every, every single time, week. Every time we send it to you, you can't say, well, I got one last week. That is over. Yes. <laughs> that is Each over. Each service is its own thing. Once, if you got a ticket at 930, by the time 11 comes around, you are done. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> need another one. <laughs> and back to a point you both brought up is this whole online thing. And, Nathan, you were talking about good coming out of bad. I think we've learned a lot in these last few weeks about how to do church online, and we're sure. constantly learning. In fact, we're going to be doing something a little different this week. This we Sunday learned. will be a little different and we're trying to yeah. do things better. We think yeah. better. We, we're, well, we're yeah. trying, and, and and I've heard some of you say, you know, that was great, that, eh, not so much. We're, we're figuring it out as we go, yep. but I think if as you invite people and as you continue to engage online, I hope you see that. I think the product that we're putting out online is becoming a better and better product. I think I it's a so. better experience for people. Um, I, I'm, I'm hearing great things that our kids' team is doing online. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just knocking it out of the park. I agree. So I, I, agree. I, I think this, this storm that we've kind of gone through, is, if, if we take advantage of it, can be one of those things that makes us better in the end as yep. a church. I think maybe we, we've, we've tapped into some areas that we haven't before and, Kind of forced our hand on. Yep. That we had to do. Oh, I online. know that's true for us. As we would a staff. have never yeah. done this there, stuff, or it would have taken us years. years. There are things yeah. that we were talking about doing that we have done in a matter of weeks. Mm-hmm. That would have taken us a long time to get done, and we're going to be better for it yes. uh, as a church. And I would just say this: that's the one thing I hope everybody will get in place. There was so much of our core identity as a church of what we did together on Sundays. But we were never about Sunday. We were always about we're together to get empowered, to get encouraged, to get uh, you know energized. But we were out spreading the gospel, inviting people, encouraging people. Wherever we were, we were point of contact for Jesus, with Jesus, for Jesus, to Jesus as mm-hmm. we served in the community. And so you need to be on the lookout at every moment of who does God have in front of me that I could figure out a way to, to influence. Cause you know, community Christian, everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. Yep. And we are loving every single person that we come in contact with. So stuff. All right. Let's talk about Sunday. Uh, Sunday, we wrapped up the new normal series. Um, and we had kind of landed the plane as we often say at the end of a series and uh, I want to talk about a couple of points you made, um, get into them a little bit uh, deeper. Um, I love my favorite quote from the message was, we don't trust God because we know what he will do. We trust God because of what he has done and what he can do. Mm. And then, of course, that story that you told Chadrack, Meshach, and Abednego was an illustration of that. My question is, why is that so difficult for us? Why do we push back on that idea? We want to trust what we think God will do. <laughs> rather than what he has done. Um, where, where does that come from? What's that thing? I, You know, if I want to track it through the course of this series, and I think not everybody gets where we're going, but I think we we exposed it in the series with week two you talked about. We all have this illusion of control. Mm-hmm. I think all of that is about I want to have an illusion of control and that God's a part of it, and I do trust in God, but a part of my trusting is God is I'm hoping I can trust in such a way that God and I together can have some control over the circumstances of my life and mm-hmm. other people that I don't particularly like what's happening circumstantially. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what it is. I want to, my trust in God, I do trust him, but I, I trust him more when I can, I can manipulate my circumstances too. Yeah. Cause I have a little of the control. <laughs> I, I feel like I controlled something by my prayer or by my prayer and fasting or by my coming to church or by my hopping on one foot while I talk to him or whatever something. the combination of things is that seemed to work for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think where it comes from is what you're talking about here is the sense of, sense of control, which ultimately comes out of the fact that we're made in the image of God. And that as people made in the image of God, what that really means is that we were made to influence and to exert 
some level of dominance over things in this world, right? That God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that old world and word in the Bible was dominion. We want right. to have dom- mm-hmm. dominance, dominion. Yeah, that we are to rule over things, and God made us to rule. But it was this idea of co-ruling that in in the garden, right? That God sets us up, and He's walking with us, and He's ruling along with us, and it's supposed to be our will under his will that it's that it, it isn't that i don't get to decide it's it really is god and i working in a partnership together and you do see that throughout the bible it isn't this idea that god's just uh totally immovable on things mm-hmm. god is constantly having conversations with people and they'll go well what about this and god goes okay that works like there's this <laughs> level of if it does not contradict who god is and what his will is that he's willing to partner with us but the problem is it's that so when you talk about where it comes from, it is that that central Garden of Eden thing that in our heads we go, what if God doesn't want my good? Mm. What if God isn't out for if my he good? If he can't be trusted, if he can't be trusted, what if you know? So the if if you're not if you're not much of a Bible person and, and you haven't heard right, God sets up the Garden of Eden. He puts Adam and Eve in, and he says, you can. I want you to rule over the earth and the animals and everything. I want you to co-rule with me. And he goes, you can eat from anything in in the garden except for one tree, and he says. When you eat from that tree, you'll surely die. But then uh, the there's a serpent, right, who comes into the, the garden, right, and he's the deceiver. And what he says to them is, hey, did God really say mm-hmm. that's yeah. the ultimate question? And question really, what, yeah, he's questioning God, and he's putting this thought into our minds, can I really trust him? Because you could just take this over in your own hands. You could eat from this tree. You could do what you think. And that whole idea of the tree being the knowledge of good and evil is me getting to determine for myself what is good, what is evil. God doesn't get to determine it. Mm -hmm. And so when I end up in this place of wanting control, I am taking what God made me in the image of, his image of having some level of control, but in submission, in trusting him to his will, and me saying, no, I don't like your version of what's good and evil. I want to get to determine what this is. And so I'm now trying to, and this is the ugly part of it, I'm trying to exert dominance over God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying mm-hmm. to get dominance over him and saying, and so we as believers do this a lot where we go, if I pray the right thing, or I faith the right thing, right? I just believe the right mm-hmm. thing, or maybe I got to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And we don't say this, but it's what we mean. I can exert dominance over God. I can mm-hmm. kind of pin him down, yep. make him do what I want him to do. Mm-hmm. And then I now get to be God ultimately is where, cause that's what the, the tempter says in the, in the garden is yeah. the reason God doesn't want you to do this is you'll be just like God. Yep. Yeah. And then there's that thing of, and back to the story that you use Ed on Sunday, you know, you got these three guys and they have a choice to make. And, you know, if they make this choice of defying the King, they're, they're going to be burned alive. That's pretty much what they're facing. And here's the God that they serve who they they freely say that he, he can save us. But that God who's powerful enough to save them also had the power to then let them know before they made the choice, hey, you can do that and I'll save you. And but he, he did. didn't. He, did. he doesn't. He didn't. He didn't. And, <laughs> and that's what we get frustrated with. It's like, God, I want to follow you. I want to do exactly what you say. So if you could come over here and tell me where that's going to wind up, then I'll be happy to do what you say. And almost never does it happen that way. No. In fact, I don't know if it's ever happened that way for yeah. me. It's always a thing of, hey, here's what I want you to do. And then if I say, well, where are we going? No, here's what I want you to do. Yeah. Follow me and we'll we'll get to where we're going and I'll be with you the whole time. And I'm like, yeah, but can you just show me the destination first? Show me how that's going to wind up. And he never chooses to do that yet. He's powerful enough to bring me through anyway. There's got to be a reason he doesn't do that. There's a reason he didn't do that for them. There's a reason he doesn't do that for me. And it comes back to, he wants us, he wants a relationship of trust. Well, he wants us to seek him ultimately yes. too, right? Yes. It's that the, the, the number one command, I should say number one command, but a consistent command in the Bible is seek. Mm-hmm. Seek me and you will find me, right? Seek first the kingdom of God. That There's this process of God saying, I want you to find me. I want you to, and I'm leaving every evidence you need to find me, and I'm leaving you all the, all the uh, 
commands that you need to know what to do in these situations. You just have to seek after it and you have to want it. I do think one of our biggest struggles um, is, and this may get too much, and I know we're going to talk about it a little later of this next series we're getting into, though, is that we don't, at my heart of hearts, I don't always want what God wants for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I want God to want what I want. And Mm. I think the invitation, what Jesus was inviting us to, was not a life free of the problems that I face. And he's not inviting me to a life that's free of the trouble. In fact, consistently, Jesus said, this world's going to have trouble. This world's going to have problems. But what he's inviting me to is this process, and this goes back to what you talked about last week, that he's going to work good in me Mm -hmm. to make me the kind of person who can do easily what God calls me to do. And then as one person I just love says that God is creating in me the kind of person that he can trust to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Right now, the issue is not always that I can't trust God. God cannot trust me that if I pray for something, God goes, well, I'm sure Nathan, I'm sure whatever Nathan wants hey man, is good Just do enough. whatever you want to yeah, do. It'll Nathan, be okay. <laughs> Nathan, will, Nathan will get it done. He knows that often when I'm praying and not that it's wrong for me to pray, whatever yeah. I'm feeling, I should be praying and talking about. But God often has to go, hey, I'm glad you talked to me about that. We're not going to do that. Yeah. That's a terrible <laughs> thing. a really do. bad idea. But in the process of all of the trouble and all of the just parts of life and the difficult people I have to deal with, if I submit to what God wants me to do, it forms parts in my character where now my heart looks more like his. And then when I pray things for people, I naturally want to bless my enemies. Whereas often now when I'm praying, I'm like, hey, God, could you make them realize how wrong mm-hmm. they are? Yeah. Could they bless me? If yes. my enemies could start blessing me, I would great. love them the way you want to. You, yeah. All I need you to do is have them bless me. Well, then they wouldn't be enemies. There you them. go. Yes, exactly. That's cart for the horse, man. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But God wants me to become the kind of person who naturally, I often do what God wants through gritted teeth. Yeah. And I'm just, oh. I don't I remember you. where it was that I read this. Somebody wrote that the the sign of my growing closer to God is the the amount of time it takes for me to say yes to him. The, uh, when, yeah. when I'm shortening, I don't know, it was Ortberg who said I that? I think that's a Willard thing. Oh, Willard it thing. Like a Willard thing. A, okay. It's the cycle time. Yeah. It's the cycle time between here's what I want, here's what God wants. The cycle time between me getting to where God wants, that's my maturity. Yeah. The how shorter long it gets. Takes, the shorter it gets between my want and yeah. God wants, that's how you measure maturity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so anyway, I think that's – I think that's ultimately the issue for me, and I think for many of us, is Jesus inviting me into a process of being trained to to be able to uh, have influence like I was intended to have and to do things that when God goes, you know, the image I have in my head is I hope that when God sees something in our world and he goes, I need someone to do something about that, I hope eventually God's first thought is Nathan. Mm-hmm. I bet Nathan can do that. And I think sometimes I think sometimes it's like, I'm going to ask Nathan to do it, but we know what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to ask Nathan to do it. He's going to kind of shuffle his feet maybe two or three years. Maybe Nathan won't even hear me because he's not even listening to what I'm saying. Yeah, he's got something else going on. I was going, Nathan, Nathan, and then go, okay, I'm going to have to ask somebody else. I'm going to get somebody <laughs> else to do this. But this idea of God going, I want – God's God always is working within us to fix the problems in the world and in me not me becoming the kind of person that God turns to and goes, "Hey, let's mm-hmm. do this one together." And yep. uh, all that. So I you know, the interesting thing to me is I think that statement of uh ultimately we trust God because of what he's done, not because of what and what he can do mm-hmm. and not not what not what I know is going to happen. I can't remember exactly how I said, but that's sure. the gist yeah. of it. Yeah. We trust God because of what he has done and what he can do, uh, not that we know what he will do. Yes. That's the basis of Christianity over every other religion. And you guys have been around. I mean, you've only mainly heard me speak until you started mm-hmm. listening to real good preachers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but every Easter, that's basically what I've taught at mm-hmm. Community Christian forever. Yeah. That... The center of Christianity is an event. Mm-hmm. It's not a way to get to God. It's mm-hmm. not a system of me doing my life. It is this event that once I put my trust in, God can be trusted because that. Yeah. And so then whatever he asks, you know, I used to say every Easter, you know, 
when a dude rises from the dead, pretty much whatever he asks, I need to say, okay. And even if, and even if he didn't do anything else. And, yeah, yeah. Nothing else. I mean, you rise from the dead and you ask me to do something, okay. Yes, sir. Because you know, there's one thing I know I can't do nothing about. When it's time to die, mm-hmm. I'm going. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, uh, so at the end of that, um, we, I love the song that we ended the service with, this too. idea of, you know, I believe you can. God, I believe you're able to do this. I'm asking you to do it. But you know what? Even if you don't, I'm still here. I'm, I'm, I'm not bailing on you. I'm not, you know, I'm not turning around. I'm not walking the other way. That's a kind of faith that I would hope all of us want to get to. And the, the thought I had was, what does that look like? Have you seen any um, real examples of that in people that you know, or just in exam, or just in instances that you've seen over? The, just br- it, can we bring that into our in our real world? Well, and only because you've talked about it on our podcast that I would bring it up. But I think you and your wife in the death of your child certainly are that. Mm-hmm. I, I watched <laughs> that firsthand. I, you know, the song that you mentioned, we know, you and I know, yeah. and one of the first times I heard that, I had heard it yeah. before, but not as much was at the, another death of a child of a friend of ours mm-hmm. that yes, got right. sung by a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you see people go through those kind of things, and, you know, a lot of people, the examples they give of faith, and again, don't have to get too much of the next series, often when people think about faith, they talk about faith and, you know, uh, I, you know, I had this terrible news, but I put my faith in God and the next day everything got reversed. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great, but that doesn't inspire me near as much as when, you know, about the worst thing that most of us can imagine that have been parents is to have to bury a child. In fact, I just heard another preacher that we all know just make the mention. I never thought about it, that we have a word for somebody that a husband that loses his wife is called a widower, and a, mm. a woman that loses her husband is called a widow. We have no word for a parent that loses their child mm. because it's just not, it's unthinkable to yeah. us that that mm-hmm. should happen. We don't even have a word for it, mm. and most of us just dread it. And when you see somebody go through something just that all of us dread, and they continue, they couldn't stop it. If they could have stopped it, they would have stopped it. If they had done anything, and they continue to say, I know God could have do this, but it didn't happen, and didn't. yet I still trust him. Not because yeah. of what I can make happen, but because of who he is and what he's already done. And you meant, you've already mentioned the, this next series that we're starting this coming week. We're going to get into that, mm-hmm. the, this nature of faith and what it really is and, and what it really isn't. Mm-hmm. And and. And I, I've, we've seen enough, and I think of you, an example is a, a good friend of mine just this past year uh, watched his wife deteriorate and lose her battle to cancer. And um, this guy that I know um, the whole time prayed, asked for healing, you know, everything that you would do as a believer going through something like that. And yet he buries his wife. And then after that... Um, this past Easter, the church that he goes to, they they interviewed him. And the guy sits there and says, God's still God. I'm still serving him. He didn't he didn't choose to heal my wife the way that I wanted, but he healed her in another way. Mm-hmm. And I've got the hope that I'm going to see her. And so even if he didn't heal my wife the way I'd asked him to, I'm not going anywhere. Right. And and I look at that guy and I'm thinking, that's what I want. That's mm-hmm. that's the kind of that's the kind of faith I want to have. But to then come back and say, well, faith is just believe hard enough and just say the right words or pray the right prayers, and then you'll get what you pray for. I'm just like, that can't be it. <laughs> well, and what I have noticed, and I, I've used this example before for people, and I think most of us are honest know it's true. We have all had instances where there was something in the moment that was about to happen bad, and we knew something bad was going to happen. The example I've used because it is out of my past of, you get stopped by the police and you have a substance in your car <laughs> that will send you to prison. <laughs> and as he's walking up, you pray, oh, God, oh, God, do not. <laughs> if you will not let him yeah. ask to look in the car, if he would just, if that would not happen, I will serve you the rest of my life. And then the dude says, hey, you had a tail light out and I just want to check yeah. your stuff. And he walks away and you get a warning. 
no one suddenly becomes a missionary out of that, no. even if you promised to do it. No. Right. You got exactly what you said. You mm-hmm. said you had faith. You tell, And the way you tell that story is, dude, he didn't yeah. even look under the thing. <laughs> I got so lucky. I can do it again. <laughs> exactly. Nobody's faith grows out of those kind of things. No, it doesn't. We don't even see it that way, but when we talk to people about it, we talk about it as some kind of power I have. It's yeah. not a power I have. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where we're going, uh, if you're wondering, in the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about the nature of faith, what it is, what it isn't, and what that means for us. And and I I know when you first hear that, it's like, well, is that even good news? Yeah, it's a lot of good news in that. And I think you'll see that when I we get to our next I think if you can ever series. get it straight, if we can ever all get it straight in our fa- in our head, the amount of good it does in my life to realize my faith is not dependent on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is not dependent on me. It's a very freeing thing. It's exceptionally yeah, there's, there's a lot of freedom in the fact that I'm the child in this situation, and yep. that I have a father who's in control. I hear lots of people talk about that all the time of, you know, because I end up working with young people a lot, and I end up hearing, you know, people who are older say lots of dumb things to people who are younger but one thing that i hear all the time that i think is like like this is the best days of your life and when you're when you're 15 and you know you're you hate your body and you hate yeah. uh, you hate the way everyone Mm-mm. talks and everybody about you. you want to be your friend makes fun of you yeah and everyone hates you and you're like this is the best days of your life live it up and i'm like one all the things you no. regret about your life happened when you were <laughs> yes. 15 and 16 and you know. we can all attest to that. yeah, that's yeah exactly like, those right. are the things you hate stop saying that to people it does does get better like everything is better after yes. high school but one of the things you know i've noticed people talk about all the time when they're saying these are the best years of your life and that is there's this there's this idea for lots of people they want to go back to childhood and they're like oh that's just there's something so great about that and you know one of the things and i think there maybe is the truth in this that maybe that people like is the freedom of it wasn't all on my shoulders mm-hmm. That there is part of being an adult, there's this feeling of everything's on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. My life, everything, all the responsibility falls on my shoulders. And I do think one of the beautiful things that when Jesus talks about having a childlike faith is it is what he's inviting into is I just need to do what I tell you. You don't need to know the end. You don't need to know what to do. My kids do that every day. They come down, they go, Dad, what are we, you know, what are we doing? I say, Well, I need you to go get the laundry. What are we doing after that? And I'm like, (laughs) Well, we're gonna eat breakfast. What are we doing after that? You know, they want to know the whole day's plan. I'm like, I don't just go do. You don't need to know everything. You need to know what to do right now and there is a freedom if they accept that of my dad knows what he's doing he's gonna he's gonna make something good come Mm -hmm. out of this and if i can live in that but it it is scary for many of us until we get to the point of letting go of that control Mm -hmm. um because what i'm looking for is i'm i'm looking for a life with a good income and (laughs) you know my kids getting a solid education and And me being able to do whatever i want to do yeah with no one asking me any questions. Yeah, I do. <laughs> That's what, when people talk about the good, I want to be able to buy what I can buy, do what I want to do with no accountability to anybody, but everybody doesn't do anything that offends me. You yeah. know, we were talking about this the other day of, I think one of the, the troubles with the kind of faith that Jesus calls us to is we do have a myth and maybe it is because a lot of the blessings in our country can also be curses if we don't look at them in that mm-hmm. the amount of progress we've made as people just in society, there's a belief we could eventually come that with the right amount of science and with the right person in government and with the right amount of knowledge in this, humans by themselves, I call it the Star Trek belief, which is mm-hmm. we'll get to a place where there's no world hunger, there's no more wars, you, and we – yeah, exactly right. Yeah. There's never going to be anything, and always key to people – I love Star Trek. If you know, the key thing in Star Trek is we get rid of religion because humans yeah. themselves overcome the problem. Well, we know that's a myth. Things in our world have gotten better in some degrees. Crime rates go down, right? All this kind of stuff. But anxiety levels have gone up, yeah. right? Depression levels. There are these things that do go up. The one solution's not going to fix it all. And we do come to believe this myth that uh, I could live a life pain-free. And so if I could, I should. Mm-hmm. And that my life should – because what, what we were talking about this was uh, a little while back we were working on some stuff uh, at my house, and we had – 
these boards out and we had just taken some nails out of the board and so my girls are running around on the boards and I was like get off the boards we don't know that all the nails are out of those boards and I remember you talking about man when I was growing up and you weren't saying this in a, in, you know in, a, in the good old days you weren't saying <laughs> like that but you were talking about that's what we did all the time yeah, yeah. that is what we did all the time and no one ever- nails in our feet all <laughs> we had tetanus <laughs> lockjaw nobody cared that's right <laughs> But I think there, I think for the majority of the world, and this is the way it is, when you kind of just accept – because it's like this when we go to Haiti. The things that they don't even think about in Haiti that would right. be – that are almost uh, disturbing to us when we go. We go, oh, my God, I can't believe they let their kids in. Yeah. But when you really do have this acceptance of, you know, life's going to have problems mm-hmm. and that there are – and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't look – I'm not talking about not being cautious – but if you have this belief that, you know, things are going to happen, I might get a nail in my foot, and that may not be the end of the world. You, there, is, there is this ability for you to see pain and discomfort. Are, I, I can't live a life without pain and discomfort. Therefore, I shouldn't, but we do. And so when Jesus invites us to a life that goes, hey, there's pain and discomfort, we mm-hmm. go, what? Mm-hmm. But Jesus isn't inviting us into a life with pain and discomfort. He's saying, you live in a life of pain and discomfort. I have the answer to that. Exactly. Yeah, I do. I yes, do. and so I think that's the part that's hard for us yeah. is, yeah, that kind of faith is – the faith that's attractive to me is no pain, no discomfort, mm-hmm. that I can and pray I, it away. Or and I, I told my kids this uh, not too long ago. I, I said, guys, you're going to hear as you grow up people are going to oppose your faith by using – the world you live in and pain and suffering and how could a good God and all that stuff. And I said, and don't freak out when they say that to you. I said, because the truth is you live in a kingdom that has the only solution to the pain and suffering problem. And I said, Christianity, I said, as a Christian, don't you, don't you shy away from the issue of pain and suffering? I said, you lean into it. I said, because we got the solution to that. We follow the one who kicked death in the teeth. We'll be just fine. Now, I, I get all that, and we can have those discussions of why a good God lets things yeah. happen the way he does. But I'm telling you, they, he provided the answer as well. That's what the whole Christian faith is about. So I don't want to get off on that. That's a whole other <laughs> thing. But so anyway. I, I, I would say to people, maybe this is a thing. If you want to try to build your faith, hmm. honestly, if you want to build your faith going into this, the best thing I have known with people that have this view of faith of control is – if my faith is based on not what I can make God do or what I know God will do, my faith is based on what God can do, has done and what he can do, you need to spend time in grateful activities. Mm. You need to spend mm. lots of time sitting in your life and daily figuring out a way to count how many things have come to you yes. that you didn't plan to come to you, mm-hmm. that you couldn't have controlled coming to you, mm-hmm. that with a slight different decision, that if you're honest, you could have made either one. It wasn't some well-thought-out thing. You just went this way, and it all went great. When you track your life that way and you begin to do a lot of grateful stuff, faith becomes God. As I say to people, I said this right after COVID-19, God has been way more faithful to me than I have ever been to him. Mm -hmm. He's been faithful every day of my life when I had my back turned on him. He's been faithful to me when I was sort of turned toward him. He's faithful to me. I have every reason to believe he will be faithful in the future, not because I know what's going to happen. It's just been the pattern of my life. Mm -hmm. Even the bad days of my life, there's been good stuff that came out of it that I couldn't have made happen. And if you'll just stop and recognize that, you'll realize it is currently happening. It is currently <laughs> you happening. Just, you're just not paying attention, man. Right. So when I begin to think of it in control, faith has always been based on what God has done and what he can do. He can do things I don't even ask him to do in better ways than the things I asked him to do. Yes. Yeah. That's great. That's a great place to end that discussion. Yeah. All right. Nathan? Yes. You have something to end our time together here today, so I will turn it. I don't know what it is. I don't either. This is this is becoming the, the surprise segment of the this podcast. I will, I will say about... this, though. I have known Nathan since the moment he sucked his first breath. Mm-hmm. He had a look in his eye right there that I've seen before. You've so seen it. Here we go. Yes. Let's see and what's going to happen. We're going to get on board. I don't think it's that bad. So uh, <laughs> It doesn't matter. <laughs> I think uh, so. I, I thought instead of doing a top five of my ideas with this, I know all of us have been watching it, and I think... I think a lot of the world has been watching. It's about the only thing going on. Uh, guys, we got to talk about Michael Jordan. 
Oh, the last dance. We do. I'm just, not. I'm not through it yet, but well, I'm, I'm far enough in. About, I'm far I don't enough. know that everybody's been watching it, but if you haven't, what it's are awesome. you doing with your so, life? You got nothing else to do. <laughs> so I'm a child of the '90s. I grew up with Michael Jordan as as the greatest of all time. I mean, I did, I don't know anything different, and uh, no I got really into. No. Uh, I, I grew. I, I got really into the NBA in in elementary school because of Michael Jordan and because of uh, let's be honest, Space Jam. I mean, that's, <laughs> man, that's a big really? deal, man. Oh yeah, man, that's right. Sad. I remember yeah. taking y'all to that movie, Space Jam. I was all about uh, it. And, you we know, went was, to the Dollar Theater in Fayetteville. That's right. Wow. <laughs> that's right. So I remember seeing that, getting really into, it, and we used to have NBA shootout and all that kind of stuff, man. And mm-hmm. anyway, so all into all into. Uh, Michael Jordan and I just love this this whole documentary. Me watching too. through it, I haven't finished the last like two, but which can't yeah, finish I Sunday. Also, I so. also have not watched the last two. Well, I think we're all in the same spot. Okay, so, there so we go. then we can't spoil any of that. That's for right. Us. So well, I know what happens. You know what happens. <laughs> I know what Michael happens. Jordan continues to be the greatest. The yes. greatest of all time. <laughs> well, and, and so anyway, so there's a couple things I want us to be able just to kind of talk freely, not necessarily about Michael Jordan, but kind of around Michael Jordan oh, and, and 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 the Last Dance. And so first, just kind of get us going. Are there any things from the last? Dance in particular, which The Last Dance is the name of the documentary series. It's a 10-part documentary series on ESPN. Uh, you can watch it if you have the ESPN app and watch For it. For free. For yeah. free. It's great. I've been... Anyway, so um, what are any things that you really just moments in The Last Dance that maybe highlighted something about Michael Jordan or the Bulls that either you didn't know or you'd forgotten or anything that just kind of stood out as, oh man, I need to... Because I think with every documentary, there are things, or biography, I take things away and go, oh, that's very interesting. So anything that stood out to you guys? The thing that hit me was um, his reputation has always been kind of a hard-nosed kind of guy, not a very personable type of dude. Um, but I think watching him and hearing him describe his life, I've come to realize that he really does feel and he really is mm-hmm. a caring person, but he was so stinking driven right. to be the best. that. And, and I've seen people like this. I've been that person at times mm-hmm. that you get so laser-focused on what you're doing that it's just everybody's got to get out of my way, and you either get on this train or you're getting knocked off. And he had that mentality. And what's cool is I think you see the players that played with him, they got it. Mm-hmm. They, and that's why they respected him so and much. And he made them better. because He of made it, them yeah. better. And he was, a, he was not only the greatest player. Maybe not better people. He was a, <laughs> yeah. But he was a great teammate yeah. as well. That, that one spot where he gives up the last shot mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. to uh, Paxton. Uh, Paxton. Yeah. yeah. And, and then they win the game. It's like how many uh, superstars today yeah. would do that? Would do that. Yeah. You know, so that's the thing that I loved about that, and the the part where he the, the one that where he, it ends and he's, he's he's very emotional. That's the one I, I, was I think very, it's because I was he realizes that people didn't get who he really was. Yeah, and I, it hurt him. So I think that one was exceptionally moving to me because mm-hmm. I think anybody that's ever been in a leadership position, leadership by nature is. Everybody goes, oh, it's lonely. It is lonely in that nobody but the leader knows what the leader knows and the price that is paid. And often you don't – you feel like nobody understands you. That's Mm -hmm. what I got out of that. I I thought, man, he feels like no one really understood him and how much he cared and how Mm -hmm. much he wanted the best for them and all those kind of things. And he basically comes out and says, you know, because the question that moved him was Mm -hmm. uh, when you Google – Michael Jordan, good guy. Hmm. That's how the guy. Yeah. I, there's a podcast that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. If you haven't listened to it, that uh, comes afterwards. And I listened to the director talk about it, and he said that's the how the question got asked. Is you know, Michael, when you uh, Google Michael Jordan, good guy, there's not much there. Mm-hmm. And he said he was a little taken back, and he said that was our very first interview. He yeah. said that interview when you see, he said it comes in the eighth episode, but he said it was early. He said uh, when he asked. I need to stop. Mm-hmm. He yeah. said that was within the first hour. He said, I got up from that and walked into the bathroom and thought, oh, my gosh, I've blown, <laughs> he the, blew the, whole thing I've blown the whole thing. He said, but he was visibly moved by the fact of it sort of moved him of people don't think I'm a good guy. I'm mm-hmm. a good guy. I was trying to help all these yeah. guys do what they mm-hmm. couldn't have done. Mm-hmm. And none of us, we all needed each other. And he led them to something. Yeah, uh, yeah I was that was, mo- that was moving to me because yeah. – not in any way. I haven't won six championships. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I have felt that at times of 
misunderstood and you know you do things and people think the worst of you and all that kind yeah. of mm-hmm. stuff so i have felt that mm-hmm. i think for me the thing i took away is i couldn't help watching it and just because how mine works and trying to figure out enneagrams for every person in the thing <laughs> <laughs> watching watching michael jordan i can totally feel i think watching him in the several different cases where somebody would come in and go um this is the new michael jordan and he would say he would just openly say in the thing and once I heard them say that, I couldn't let that stand, so I had to humiliate that mm-hmm. person on the court. And the almost just, like, glee he took even saying it now, and I go, yeah, I think he's a three. Like, I think yeah. I think his ability to say I have to be – and not just be the best. Mm-hmm. That's what I have learned about myself. It's not just that I want to be the best that I can be. I have to be better than everyone. And I think he's an eight. I, well, maybe that's us reading our own mail into it. Maybe. I think, I think his drivenness to be the – that him solely being the best – I saw someone on Twitter just say if Twitter had existed while he was playing, he would have won 12 championships. Yeah. Right. Because of all the junk he would have gotten and yeah. it would have fueled his fire. Yeah. Yes. that I think, I think this desire he has of I have to be better than everyone else. Uh, anyway, you'll never know. You can never yeah, know yeah, anyone's it's internal the factor. I, mm-hmm. I guess that comes from the podcast, too. There's a part, you know, B.J. Armstrong in one of the episodes who had played with Michael then goes to Charlotte. And in one of the episodes, he hits a thing at the end of the – and then uh, for Charlotte, he's playing for Charlotte. He hits a a shot and then yells at the Bulls bench. Well, Michael took that as disloyalty. You know, Mm -hmm. eights really want loyalty. Mm -hmm. And then they came out and destroyed Charlotte. And for a long time, he wouldn't talk to BJ. Then the uh, Jalen Rose, who is the co-host of this podcast, who, you know, was part Mm -hmm. of the Fab Five and all that kind of stuff, uh, had played on Indiana against him. He said there was a guy who had been a number one draft pick who had played in Michael's cam- uh, camps, and one night he went and hit a buzzer beater to be- beat the Bulls, and he went something. He said something to Michael, and uh, or he walked off the court and wouldn't talk to Michael, mm. and so. It, Michael has never spoken to that guy <laughs> again, <laughs> even though they had been friends That's before because he considered it disloyal. Hitting the buzzer beater wasn't the deal. Yeah. It was the fact that you then sort of you wanted to flaunt yourself mm-hmm. in front of me. It felt disloyal to him. Because, hmm. you know, when he makes a point in that one about, you know, when he lost to the Pistons, he and, went over and shook yeah, every one of their and hands. And they walked off. And they later. walked off. Mm-hmm. And none of them shook his hands. That had more to do with, hey, I did my part. That's you right. didn't do your part. That's right. Yes. I'm I'm done with you boys. Yep. <laughs> yes. I get it. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I hate to cut this uh, short, but you got a meeting to get I to. I do have yeah. a meeting. I asked so y'all to watch. You, you told me to watch, watch the clock. Watch the clock because I, I have did. a meeting to go to. So I'm, I'm getting you out of here for your meeting. Thank so. you. Done. All right. So thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you at church this Sunday online, and we'll see you here next week. All right. Bye-bye, everybody.